What's up, guys? On today's show, it's all about COVID-19. You thought it was over. Well, it's just beginning. Guys holding out. Updates on all of that. Get you caught up with two weeks of news and NFL offseason updates. I mean, there's just a lot of guys that are sitting out this year now. And how do you adapt for that in fantasy football? And we wrap up the show with the battle of the backups. Don't forget, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. But also, uh, smash like and subscribe on Apple Podcast. Give us a five-star review if you feel so inclined to do so. Let's roll. This is Darren Waller, and you're listening to the Tutty Talk Podcast. Streaming from beautiful Portland, Oregon, for all things fantasy football. This is the Tutty Talk Podcast. Barkley with a burst. Barkley down the sideline. Saquon Barkley. Jackson takes it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh, he broke his ankles. He did what? It's a C-Mac attack. I'm really not into dreams anymore, okay? I'm into nightmares. A lot of people ain't going to be able to take that over and 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 over again. You like that? You like that? Here are your hosts, Bryce Wells. I'm going to I'm gonna say it. I'm going to put you on blast. Kevin Nelson. It's a damn shame because Pete Carroll is wasting Russell Wilson, and there's nothing we can do about it. And Chase Daskalos. No! Lamar Jackson is going to be a top five quarterback. What's up? Welcome back. Tutty Talk. Holy smokes, it's been a while. The summer is burning hot. It's like a bajillion fucking degrees here in Oregon. It's hot in my room, and if it's hot in my room, it's hot upstairs where you guys are at. But it's hot, hot, hot in the studio. Bryce, what's up? Oh my god, was that a little throwback to season one? I think it was. It was close enough. I'll take it. I'm glad to be back. Um, You know, we're really dying to get more fantasy and football news in general and it's pretty it's pretty scarce out there so we had to dig a little bit uh spacing it out a little bit more and uh you know to make sure we give you guys a quality show today and that's what we got scarce and scary yeah Chase, how are you doing i'm hot you're right dude it's smoking up here Smoking up here. Um, so, anyways, I mean, I had to get the freaking dust off my mic, pulling it out of my closet because it feels like we haven't done this in a while. A little rusty, a little dusty. That's okay. Um, yeah, it's it's hot in my room. We're doing the show. Uh, Jamal Adams is a Seahawk, mm. and I'm ecstatic, elated, and ready for some football. You know, if the season happens or not, I know that we got the best safety in the league. So, uh, with that, let's jump into what exactly is going on right now with COVID-19 and this opt-out clause like that all players have the option to take right now. So it's reported that there's a deadline of August 3rd for players to opt out on the 2020 season. So this gives guys really less than a week now to make that decision as we've seen some fantasy-relevant guys start to make their decisions here over the past couple of days. Before that, it was some guys that... um maybe offensive linemen or defensive guys that we aren't necessarily as concerned of as it pertains to Tutty Talk and the podcast. Those guys that voluntarily sit out will receive a $150,000 check, basically. Um, and they got to be under contract to, to get that tender or that deal. Uh, it doesn't go against the cap. It doesn't mean anything really for these teams. It's just 
what they'll be paid for sitting out regardless of what their contract situation is. So kind of kind of weird situation that we're having. And a lot of these guys are making the decision because they've just had a newborn in the family. The, um, someone in their household is very susceptible to illness or they themselves are susceptible, uh, you know, super high risk. So I don't blame anybody that that takes this deal. It it sucks that they have to take the deal. And, you know, football is their livelihood for a lot of these guys and they're, they don't have a side hustle. This is just their main job. They're a professional athlete. They're a professional football player. This is their source of income. And, you know, by them taking in a lot of cases, far less money than playing this high risk season for them and their family uh, means a lot. So a lot of respect, you know, for me personally to those guys, uh, while you'd already scroll through Twitter and, Oh my God, this guy's a pussy. This guy sucks. Da, da, da. I, that's going to happen. That's the world that we live in with the internet. But I kind of wanted to hear your guys' thoughts first on this before we dive into who sat out and, and why they've sat out and things like that. Just on the whole situation, it's it's certainly a unique one. Yeah, I, I really wanted to learn the parameters of, of really what the opt-out clause was and uh, just seeing you know guys around the league uh, taking advantage of the clause and opting out. You know, you're going to see probably a lot of um, maybe players you don't recognize, maybe cut candidate types of players that might just take the deal and and call it on the season and it's an easy you know 150 grand like bam boom done you don't have to fucking play you suck anyways you weren't going to make the team you just got a great deal um it's interesting because today was some there's some big news we saw Nate Solder uh opted out that's a that's a big loss for that Giants offensive line um and it, it's just going to be interesting because over the next few months, we're going to see a lot more players and we're going to get into a couple of the ones that have already opted out here shortly. And, and we're going to start seeing some bigger names as time goes along. So let's get into exactly who is sitting out now. We're recording this on the evening of July 29th. So if somebody suddenly goes and jumps onto the COVID plan and takes the money and runs in the next hour or two it's not gonna be on the show it's not our fucking fault we gotta pick a time to record this and like chase said it's not live so shut up <laughs> damian williams opted out of the 2020 nfl season this is the single most important one to date as it pertains to fantasy football why because all the clyde edwards hilaire stands suddenly rise up again and they gather at this mass conglomerate and they're screaming at the top <laughs> of their lungs for clyde to be better than jonathan taylor and this is certainly paving the way for that shit yeah and uh as you can tell from the community you know clyde edwards hilaire is already being drafted ahead of Damian Williams. Uh, he's the RB 17 off the board. Damian Williams is all the way down at RB 30. So it's not like uh, uh, this is a huge deal in terms of, of value for some people because they've already smashed uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire and they were just sitting on this. But yeah, we're not going to hear these guys fucking shut up about this guy. I'm already seeing shit that he's going to be a fucking top five running back. We haven't <gasps> seen this fucking man play a down of football. How, could, how the fuck can you say that? You can't. You need to calm 
down. Now, I get it. You want to draft Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the first round. Oh, my God. He's right there. He's going to be the only back in Kansas City to, to take carries and catch passes and the best offense in the league. Shut the fuck up, okay? There's other guys there. We've got DeAndre Washington. Is he appealing? No, he's not. He's not that appealing. But because of this situation, we shuffle the next guy in line. That's DeAndre Washington. Maybe it's Dar- uh, Darwin Thompson. But Washington's the guy right now that's going to take some of those carries away. Is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire still a good pick for fantasy? Absolutely. But we need to stop with the overreaction. I mean, it was a matter of seconds, seconds after Damian Williams opted out that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was trending on Twitter. Like, insane, ridiculous, but it's understandable at the same time. Just ha- temper your expectations just a tad, pull it back just a little bit. Um, I think at this point, uh, I would be open to accepting that he has top 10 potential at this point uh, for fantasy finishes. That seems very realistic now. Um, it's just... It's weird how this happens, and if your rookie drafts haven't taken place already, I mean, if if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire wasn't a top four pick in your in your leagues um, at this point, he definitely is in that one or two spot, and is probably going to be drafted ahead of Jonathan Taylor for sure, which is still ridiculous for dynasty leagues. But seasonal, possibly a pretty good pick over J- JT. Um, that's that's up for you to decide, but. Um, I could totally, I could totally see Clyde going ahead of JT at this point. So for Damian Williams, he's twenty eight point three years old right now. Uh, will be sitting out this season. He has literally zero value now in Dynasty, and in, in my opinion, this is just a, it's a head start now for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Damian Williams is done, and I don't want to talk about him. So Clyde Edwards-Alaire. 5-7-207-4640, comped to Chase Edmonds. I think I've gone on record too saying that this was a bad draft pick. And if it was any other team, the the team would be getting hammered for this. Drafting a 5-7-207 guy in the first round that runs a 4-6 is comp to Chase Edmonds. But he's a Chiefs now. They spend the first round pick on him. Kareem Hunt in 2017 as a rookie was a third round pick in the NFL draft. Of 322. He finished as the RB4, kind of out of nowhere. And then in 2018, in 11 games, he finished as the RB11. So is it realistic for Clyde edwards the first-round pick, to finish higher than Kareem Hunt, the third-round pick? Uh, yeah, it is. Right? I would say that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is probably a better running back than Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt has shown that he's good. But just draft capital alone, looking at what the Chiefs have done, spending a first-round pick on a running back is... <laughs> Not what you do, and they did it. What's sort of interesting is after Kareem Hunt finished 2017 as uh, the RB4, next year ADP, he was going as the RB8. So now looking at ADP this year and my projections where I have Clyde Edwards-Alaire finishing and where I would take him off the board in a seasonal draft, Christian McCaffrey won. Saquon Barkley, two. Alvin Kamara, three. Ezekiel Elliott, four. Dalvin Cook, five, if he doesn't hold out. Joe Mixon, six. Derrick Henry, seven. Miles Sanders, eight. Josh Jacobs, nine. And I put Clyde Edwards-Alaire at 10. I take Clyde, seasonal draft, 2020, with no Damian Williams ahead of Nick Chubb, 
Kenyon Drake and Leonard Fournette. I yeah. got him at 10. I think that's, I don't even think that's, that's I don't even think that's crazy. I don't no. It's not crazy, is it's it? It's not at no. this point, no. It's not. What's, what's... So I wouldn't call him a lock, but he's in my top 10 already. Yeah. What a weird situation. Like, the reason why we didn't like him was because there were other bodies there. Well, now there's really nobody. I mean, Damian Williams was going to take the, the bulk of the carries, and now he's gone uh, after what we saw last year. Uh, Chase, you, you nailed it, though. The draft capital does make you scratch your head and go, okay, how much are they going to use him if they use the third-round pick as much as they did? And that guy turned out to be pretty good for a couple of years and and it's still you know a dynasty asset that we're trying to get our hands on is Kareem Hunt so yeah if he doesn't have a good year I think people are going to be disappointed now because the hype that you'll see in drafts especially in the next couple of weeks getting ready for the season is going to be ridiculous I think 10 is a perfectly fair spot but I, I could see him going ahead of Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs that the allure of the Chiefs offense is going to lead people down a deep and dark path that I don't know if Clyde can hold up to in his first season, but he's got every opportunity to in Kansas City. Chase, you had said that Damian Williams basically has zero value at this point, and I'm pretty sure on this podcast, we at one point, uh, maybe months ago, had mentioned that after the Super Bowl, Damian Williams should have been traded off your roster. We made that very clear, and then it gets worse when they follow up with the first round pick, and now you're looking down the barrel of of blank death, death uh, zero value. I mean, this is how quickly things change for running backs in the league. Be aware, especially when they're age 26 or 25 through 28, that at any point that that guy will literally m- might be worth nothing. So. Try to move off those players when it comes to the right time. Be aware, no situations, and make plays. That's that's what it comes down to. And now you're sitting with Damian Williams, and uh, and you don't really know what to do. I think, unfortunately, too, at this point, going forward, I'm not going to have any. I'm not going to draft Clyde Edwards-Alaire anywhere, mainly because I think we'll see. He will probably climb in ADP up to seven or eight and then a lot of drafts i won't be shocked if he goes right after mccaffrey saquon kamara and zeke i could see him going before dalvin with the with the holdout and then just just based off of what people think projection wise of clyde edwards alera first round pick in the chiefs offense he's going to go before mixon and henry and miles sanders and josh jacobs in in your drafts i'm not going to take him there going forward i just i It'll be like he's going to people are going to spend a first round pick on him in your seasonal drafts. And that's just something that I'm not going to do. I would rather draft Miles Sanders or Josh Jacobs, somebody that's played a year. Blasphemous, blasphemous stuff. Okay, we got the big one out of the way. The the rest of them, (laughs) unless there's some breaking news that we literally have to report on the show, which fingers crossed, we don't have that. God, I feel bad for Damian Williams owners. But then again, I don't because we told you so. But okay, next guy. Packers wide receiver, yet to play a game. Devin Funches has opted out for the 2020 season. And again, I say this, and it, it's, we're kind of joking. We're kind of like, oh, who cares? But he's holding out because of you know family reasons or you know health concerns and stuff like that. It's serious stuff. It really is. But he's holding out for the season, and the Packers didn't do anything at wide receiver other than add this big-bodied red zone threat 
that really hasn't done a whole lot of anything in the league who didn't even play last year. And that guy that was supposed to be there is not there. Alan Lazard returns to his Lizard King throne. And Devontae Adams, who was, what, number 56 on the NFL's top 100 list that came out this week, says, LOL, 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 I'm going to have a wide receiver number two overall finish probably again this year. Maybe even number one if Aaron Rodgers is on fuck the world mode. So you probably weren't drafting Devin Funches, but you're probably drafting Devontae Adams. And this, as little impact as it has on it, the number two wide receiver is Alan Lazard. The targets are going to Devontae Adams. No question about Alan Lazard being wide receiver two. You're talking about a wide receiver depth chart that is extremely thin at this point. People were wondering why they didn't draft receiver in this draft. I couldn't tell you why they didn't. Um, they thought Jordan Love might be a better option in the in the first round. Okay, um, but you know you look at their the rest of the depth chart. It's Equanimous St. Brown, Marquez Valdez Scantling, Jake Kumro. Um, if I was to slot a guy to take that uh, Devin Funches spot, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say MVS is probably that guy just because he's uh, been on the field a decent amount along with Jeronimo Allison, who's no no longer a Packer. Um, you know, Adams saw 127 targets last year. Maybe this is kind of similar to like uh, what we talked about in the last pod with Terry McLaurin, where you know Kelvin Harmon's out, and all of a sudden we've got these vacated targets. But I think we can all expect that Devontae Adams is probably going to get more than 127 targets on this Aaron Rodgers fuck the world revenge tour. So I guess my question is to you guys: Are you seeing uh, 150 plus targets? Um, do you see him finishing as the wide receiver one? Because I think uh, I'm I'm still adjusting my rankings, uh, and I will be up until the season. And I I want to put Devonte higher because I feel like I've kind of been. Um, uh, giving him a little bit less attention in my rankings. So uh, I want to move him up, but I don't know how much. So last year, Devonta Adams only played in 12 games and he was sixth for receivers in fantasy points per game this year. Right now he's going as the wide receiver two, right behind Michael Thomas really quick too. I think that Aaron Rodgers at QB 12 is a steal. Yeah. He's going to outperform that. He's going to outperform his ADP. He's going to outperform projections. And mainly because I see such a big season coming from Devontae Adams. I think it's hard to project and say, and in a draft that you would take Devontae Adams over Michael Thomas. But wide receiver one is absolutely in his range of outcomes. And you kind of talked about the 150 targets. He last year received 10.6 targets per game, which was actually number two in the NFL. People, a lot of people don't know that because he only played 12 games. So 10.6 per game times 16 is 169 nice targets per game. That's well over that 150 threshold. Number two in the NFL, Devontae Adams has a very good shot at an Aaron Rodgers bounce back and a wide receiver one season in 2020. The NFL top 100 list is finishing up tonight. It's been the bad. Top, the top 10. And I, I know it doesn't have much fantasy relevance, but the top 10 are, are pretty crazy. So Derrick Henry, 10, nine was Gilmore, eight was DeAndre Hopkins, seven was Kittle, six was McCaffrey, five was uh, 
Michael Thomas. Four was Patrick Mahomes. Three was Aaron Donald. And the final two are Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson. Wow. We're already putting Lamar Jackson ahead of Patrick Mahomes. Well, it's based off of last Last season. season. It's only in a one-season lookout. So Lamar's going to be number one, but Russell Wilson, number two player. (laughs) That's awesome. Okay, are we on to the next guy? Yes, let's do it. All right, Eagles wide receiver Marquise Goodwin is up to death for the 2020 season um, as well. He's had a lot of... uh, hardship in in his life i know that the he and his wife have had a a couple of miscarriages uh and finally just had a newborn so that's why he is deciding to sit out the season the eagles traded for goodwin in the offseason they drafted jalen rager uh alshon jeffrey was on the pup list and um it's not looking good for him deshaun jackson is back in philly jj arcega whiteside is another name there and we saw the shit show that his rookie season was Going to have another opportunity, going to have a second chance. We've seen what that does for guys in the NFL while we aren't a big Jaws fan. Jalen Rager seems to be the upside gainer here in this. Um, not that I was really worried about Marquise Goodwin stealing a lot of opportunity from him to begin with, but still, you know, it's another guy that has contributed on an NFL roster and uh, it more so gets my hopes up for Deshaun Jackson because those guys play such a similar role that. It, with Deshaun being as old as he is and as injury prone as he is, I just want him on the field. So give me the best ball, Deshaun Jackson, upside for a couple of weeks, and I don't care what he does after that. But win me a couple of weeks with uh, what he did in week one last year, which was, I believe, three touchdowns on week one, three, uh, two or three. So, uh, yeah, Marquise Goodwin is going to sit out. Mm, doesn't move, really move the needle for a whole lot of guys on that roster, though. Yeah, you know, as every, every week that goes by, Jalen Rager – seems more and more appealing and not in rookie drafts particularly but in seasonal if you were to draft a rookie wide receiver I think your number one pick has to be Jalen Rager at this point um you know Marquise Goodwin probably wasn't going to be the number two in this offense I I don't think I ever believed that that was the case um Deshaun Jackson is going as wide receiver 60 um in uh, on uh, based on ADP, so he's a pretty late round uh, player that you can pick up. But I think Jalen Rager, and especially with the news that came out recently, how they're moving him around everywhere, trying to get him used to multiple wide receiver positions. This guy's going to be versatile, and you can't ignore what's happening in this offense. And uh, and with players opting out and and possible injuries, Deshaun Jackson hasn't been the healthiest. If you're the only guy there and they've they spent a, a worthy pick on that type of player, you know, you have to accept that Jalen Rager is going to be a valuable piece of this offense. And I think he's the clear cut um wide receiver one out of all the rookies. If you're strictly just talking about seasonal and you want to draft a rookie receiver, he has to be the guy that you're considering. And I hate to say this, but we kind of have to consider J.J.R. Sager Whiteside in drafts. I think that he's a type of guy that you don't even need to draft. You can just pick him up off the waiver wire. I don't think anybody's going to be savvy enough to uh, draft a guy like him, especially after last year. And, you know, maybe he does take a step forward. Maybe he does get better. I don't think that he's going to be a, um, a, a fantasy asset, 
but he will be a guy in the offense that will be used because they have, once again, not a lot of other options. Well, the thing is, they didn't have a lot of options last year in like week 14 and 15 when Greg Ward Jr. was running around as our wide receiver one. So I hate J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I want to yell and just scream right now, not at you, Bryce, but at J.J. Arcega-Botside because he's horrible. Week 14 against the New York Giants. Ooh, ooh, good secondary, yeah. Sam Beal. Oh, yeah, real Sam Beal, good good defender. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, two for 29, and this is in the Eagles' little playoff push here to beat the Cowboys out. The NFC least. Fucking got it. Okay. <laughs> two for 29 against Sam Beal. Next week, played 98% of the snaps and was getting clamped by Fabian Moreau. <laughs> Fabian Moreau from the Washington football team. What was JJ Arcego Whiteside's stat line? 98% of snaps. He goose egged zeros across the board. 98% of the snaps. Big game. Fabian Moreau. Zeros. I, he sucks. I just can't. I can't. Oh, fuck. Fucking God. He sucks. Well, but he could be DJ Chark, didn't do anything. His God, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I hate JJ Arcego Whiteside. He's horrible. I drafted him last year in a rookie draft and thought I was getting a steal at like the 207. Holy shit. Fabian Moreau. Is he related to Fabian Moreau. Moreau? He clamped. He got clamped by Fabian Moreau. Okay, okay. we're done. We're done. <laughs> Blowing out our audio out here. Triggered Chase. We blew everybody's speakers (laughs) out in their car. God. Oh, I'm crying, man. That's pretty funny. Oof. All right. I'm good. (laughs) So, everybody, make sure you draft JJ at the end of your draft. No, 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 no. Don't draft him. You could pick him up off the waiver wire. Yes. He's not going drafted. You gotta get, I think you got to draft him in the 10th round. Okay. uh, Next. Uh, He went before DK Metcalf. Holy shit. (laughs) okay moving on this isn't covid news but it is important news and the reason why i traded this guy in the offseason jarvis landry week one status with his hip the biggest concern for the browns passing offense according to the akron beacon journal Uh, we knew this we knew this forever ago when when he had surgery really late and was rehabbing and everybody said oh yeah he's gonna be ready and he's telling everybody oh yeah i'm gonna be ready Bullshit. Bullshit. Because way back, Roto World was like, he's not going to be ready. He might miss half the season. Jarvis Landry isn't going to play week one. I said it from the beginning. I said it when I traded him away. And everybody's like, oh, wow, that's Jarvis Landry. And then as soon as I traded him, I said, yeah, here's this Roto World link. Check it out. He's probably not going to play half the year. What do you know? Jarvis Landry, probably not ready to go. Week one. And we're at July 29th. Season's coming up quick, COVID or no COVID. I, Odell Beckham Jr. likes this news. Baker Mayfield does not. <laughs> Austin Hooper likes this news. But fuck, like, this is, like, when you see something forever ago and nothing changes except a guy blowing up everybody on social media and saying, yo, man, I'm back. I'm ready to roll. I'm Jarvis Landry. I'm the hardest working guy there is. Bullshit. 
If you're not medically ready and you had an injury that the doc says you're going to miss half the season or a lot of the season or a portion of the season, you're probably not going to be ready for week fucking one. Yeah, and what's even crazier is he's going as wide receiver 29 ahead of guys like Michael Gallup, Tyler Boyd, Hollywood Brown, and Julian Edelman. That one. All of those guys I would rather have than Jarvis Landry right now, knowing full well. Look, Gallup, Gallup's playing with Dak, hopefully. Uh, I mean, well, he will this season, but if as long as they don't trade him away, he's going to be fine. Tyler Boyd's getting to play with Joe Burrow. Massive upgrade from last year. Hollywood, Hollywood Brown's finally healthy, um, going to be ready for a full season, and Julian Edelman's literally the only target or one of the two targets in New England. All of these guys make way more sense than Jarvis Landry. Um, and I think, you know, as Jarvis gets older, on top of the hip injury, his target share it has room for regression. And I think they're, the Browns are expecting more out of Odell this year. Obviously, they didn't get a whole lot as, or as much as they like from him last year. Kareem Hunt's probably going to play a lot more um, as a, I don't want to say wide receiver, but he's going to play this hybrid role where he's already seen five and a half um, receptions a game from last year. And I, I'm assuming that's staying the same, if not more. Um, I'm kind of all, I'm kind of all the way out on Jarvis Landry. I was trying to talk myself into it a couple weeks ago. I was like, yeah. you know, maybe, yeah, I think I am. I'd, like I said, I would draft all four of those guys we mentioned previously over Jarvis Landry. And unless Jarvis Landry falls deep into your drafts. I don't really know if that's a guy I want to dra- draft right now, hoping that Baker improves and and hoping that his target share remains the same with Austin Hooper in play now and the fact they want to throw the ball to Kareem Hunt more and Odell's supposed to have this bigger season. I mean, with all of that in play, I don't think Jarvis Landry has a similar season to last year, and I think that's what owners or people who are going into drafts are expecting to get from Jarvis going into 2020. I'm with you of those four. Uh, I'm taking Tyler Boyd. I'm taking Hollywood Brown. I'm taking Julian Edelman over Jarvis Landry. The really tough one there was Michael Gallup. And I actually think that I would take Jarvis over Michael Gallup simply because of how good I think CeeDee Lamb is and the fact that I think CeeDee Lamb is the Dallas Cowboys number two. Michael Gallup's the number three. And just in my opinion and, and how I draft, I would rather take the team's wide receiver two than than a wide receiver three, but that's just my opinion and how I think of CD Lamb. Yeah, yeah, I respect that. I like CD Lamb. Next guy, uh, Brian Edwards. He's ready to go. He wait, wait. You meant Michael Thomas, right? Oh, oh, does he kind of? He does. Brian Edwards looks like Michael Thomas, so we think he's going to be in. But you didn't hear that here. Um, Brian Edwards is really, really good. This is a Brian Edwards podcast. Uh, he signed his contract. He's he's ready to go. He feels healthy. This is a guy that is actually healthy and is actually going to be on the field week one. And with the lack of weapons in Las Vegas, the question is, why not Brian Edwards? Henry Ruggs, Tyra Williams, who's next? I mean, Brian Bri- Edwards. Brian Edwards is the prototypical alpha type of receiver. Um you know, when you play four years in college um, and you leave the SEC with the third most receptions, the fourth most receiving yards, and all of the history of the SEC, I think you should probably consider uh, Brian Edwards in an offense that is 
very desperate for passing options as a guy that could be your dark horse player of 2020. And he's going very late. Um, and you should consider him if he's falling that deep in your drafts. Like the guy is six foot three. He just broke, he, he broke his foot. That's literally all that happened. And he's fully recovered now. So I know there's all this hype on Henry Ruggs. They're going to use him. They're, I'm, we're not taking anything away from Ruggs. I know we shat on him, you know, the f- pre-draft and, and all that shit. But Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs are good. They are both good at football. And I think I'm, I have faith in John Gruden to, and, and Mike Mayock to use these guys efficiently in ways that fit their play style and they will surprise some people this year. I obviously hate the Raiders, but I want to say this is my dark horse. Um, I have a couple other ones, but we're going to just keep stick with this one. Brian Edwards, go get him if you can. So this might shock you guys, but I think medically he's ready. However, football-wise, I really do think he's a year or two away. Uh, 6-3, third-round pick. So very similar draft capital to two guys that I'm going to talk about here, Chris Godwin and Kenny Galladay. Chris Godwin was a third-round pick in 2017. He was the 320, three picks after Brian Edwards went um, this year. But Chris Godwin, as a rookie in 2017, 34 catches for 525 yards and one touchdown. So he flashed. The next year, he improved. 59 for 842 and 7. And then last year, we see the Chris Godwin breakout. 86 for 1,333 yards and 9 touchdowns. So really, it's on this this timeline of flash, improve, and then breakout. And same with Kenny Galladay, who actually went in the third round as well in the same draft as Chris Godwin, which is interesting because Kenny Galladay is actually almost three years older than, than Chris Godwin. Um, he was the final pick in the third round, the 332. Kind of the same trajectory where as a rookie, Kenny Galladay, 28 for 477 and three. And then in 2018, as a sophomore, 70 for 1,063 and five. So he hit the one with the 1,000 yard mark, five touchdowns. And then this this last year is interesting catching passes from Connor Blow and Jeff Driscoll, whoever the hell was quarterback <laughs> there when Blow. Matt Stafford was injured. But Five less receptions, so 65 receptions, but 1,190 yards and 11 touchdowns. So sort of that same trajectory where you flash, improve, and then break out. That's what I see for Brian Edwards. I think he's a year or two away. That's fair. I like that. And we're kind of asking, okay, like where where will he go um, in in drafts? And that production that we saw from Chris Godwin and Kenny Galladay is similar to what somebody like Demarcus Robinson did this year. Not comparing Demarcus Robinson to Brian Edwards at all, just the level of production. Demarcus Robinson in that Kansas City Chiefs offense went for 32 receptions, 450 yards, and four touchdowns, which I I think that's probably pretty realistic for Brian Edwards. Third-round pick, Henry Ruggs, Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs catching passes, Darren Waller, Tyrell Williams still there and probably going to be out in 2021. That DeMarcus Robinson performance last year put him at wide receiver 67. 
I guess my question to you is, do you think with the need um, to push the ball downfield that he's going to be accelerated in this offense because they need some sort of um, boost at the position? You know, maybe he skips the flashing step and just produces, and maybe it's not that big, but you have to think that, you know, Tyrell Williams, Hunter Renfro, um, and all these other guys uh, outside of the rookies are having a role on this team probably. Uh, even Zay Jones. Like, I feel like Brian Edwards is better than all these guys. We don't know 100% sure if that's true. But um, if they want him to be the player that they expect him to be, which I they have a lot of faith in him, I feel like he's going to be accelerated uh, in this type of offense that, that needs to put more points on the board. So personally, I think Ruggs is going to be the one that's accelerated considering the draft capital and then what I've heard from John Gruden and Mike Mayock and following uh, Raiders beat writer, sports beat writers right now is it sounds like it's going to be the Henry Ruggs shows from what I've seen kind of behind the scenes and that he's going to be fed on. It'll be a slant and then a slant and then a go and then a go and then a slant. And it's going to be the Henry Ruggs show, I think, a year or two from Brian Edwards. In comparison to the guys you mentioned, Godwin and Galladay, I'm thinking back to when those guys were drafted and and the guys on their team that they were in competition with. Exactly. Kenny G, Kenny G, really nobody. Uh, Chris Godwin, no, no. just Mike Mike Evans. There so, was there was Golden Tate at the time and uh, Marvin Jones. Okay, so and they both they both pretty, did well when he first came in. So it was it was a process for him to get those targets. I'm not saying it was a bad thing. I'm saying yeah. it's similar to what. Brian Edwards has this year like there's opportunity I think in splashing and flashing and and being you know he could have a couple games over 100 yards it wouldn't surprise me he could have a couple games with multiple touchdowns this year wouldn't surprise me but there are other mouths to feed in Vegas like Chase was talking about whether it's running backs whether it's Bowden whether it's whoever there's Vegas has some dudes now and we've talked about that on the show but in comparison to those other receivers that were also third round picks that are now borderline superstars if not already the path is there for brian edwards so you know in your rookie drafts he's going second round late second round third round in a lot of cases i mean that's just a layup pick you know if if i'm picking there and um i was lucky enough to snag him in a league so uh pump for brian edwards this year hopefully he does more than you know that that 32 catch 400 yard window the demarcus robinson but we'd be happy with that certainly um moving on Patriots running back Sony Michelle and his status is uncertain with a foot injury for football activities starting up soon. We know how we feel about Patriot running backs and a lot of Patriots have opted out defensive guys, Hightower and um, Patrick Chung. His defense might not be as good as it was last year because of that. I might not be ahead in games, might not be running the ball as much, but Sony Michelle is still the running back one, regardless of what you think of his ability. And uh, despite him not, getting the ball in the red zone or at the goal line or whatever the fuck is wrong with him. Sony Michelle probably not going to be ready for the start of the season is what it sounds like. I respect the fantasy community right now because when it comes to ADP, Michelle's being drafted as RB 37, James White at RB 34. I think that surprised me the most. And Damian Harris at 61. Um, I, the only, like I said, the only thing I'm surprised is that James White is being drafted ahead of Sony Michelle. But I understand it and I respect it because I'm a James White kind of guy. I like the safety that James White brings to fantasy as your 
third, fourth running back. Um, hopefully that that's what you're going with as long as you're avoiding the zero RB strategy. Uh, he's just a perfect player to draft because you know what you're going to get out of him every week. And now with Cam Newton there, I'm more convinced that James White's going to do even better than he did last year. I know there's this talk about Cam Newton throwing to the running backs, blah, blah, blah. Don't care. doesn't matter to me. Uh, we know what the Patriots want to do. Um, and James White's a guaranteed reception. Uh, I don't, don't want to say mach- machine, but he's a guy that's going to catch the ball. And if Sony Michelle's not ready, it's the Damian Harris and James White show. Now, which one starts? That I'm not sure. I want to lean James White because he's only got, I believe, a year left on his contract. And with COVID stuff going on, I think they're just going to get everything they can out of him, especially with multiple players opting out. You have offensive linemen. You have defensive players. Uh, a lot more Patriots than any other team in the league uh, with players that are not playing this year. So it makes me think that, okay, uh, a lot of defensive players are opting out. So the Patriots aren't going to be as good defensively. They're going to have to throw to stay in games. That's not great for Cam Newton. So maybe the the short to medium route stuff for James White ends up panning out. And I think that that's what's going to happen. So uh, everyone knows I'm a James White guy on this podcast. Um, are you guys surprised by any of the ADPs? And of the three, which one would you guys like to draft? They don't really shock me that much. I feel like the whole fantasy football world is now so off on Sony Michelle. And so those ADPs don't necessarily shock me at all. Uh, and I would take James James White there at, what was it, 30? 34. Mm-hmm. 34. And I do think Damian Harris at 61 is – is interesting because is. somebody in New England's got to run the ball. Yeah. And James White is a he's not a like a grinder, right? He's catching passes. He's a satellite back. And if the Sony Michelle project continues to fail, I think Damian Harris at running back 61 is a very interesting dart throw. I'm taking James White uh out of the three, but I don't think I'm taking any of them. And okay. with that, we get to guys that I would take. It's the battle of the backups for seasonal. This is head-to-head. Who would you rather have with guys that are pretty similar ADP? So let's get into it. Up first, now this is backup running backs only. It's a COVID season. Mm-hmm. Tis the season these for guys, the COVID reasons. These guys matter right now. You they better matter. have... Thick old benches this year. I'm just saying in your leagues. Seasonal too. Why are we drafting 22 guys this year? I, I don't even know who Tony Pollard is. Fuck those guys. You you take their money, damn it, and you listen to this show. Up first, Chase Edmonds or Tony Pollard. I will preface it with this. Ezekiel Elliott has already had COVID-19. So are we worried more about Kenyon Drake or Ezekiel Elliott? Chase Edmonds or Tony Pollard? Okay, so we all know I work at the radio station. Um, we all know the science behind COVID is a little murky. There, you know, there are studies that show antibodies work. There are studies that show that they don't work. What I know based on our news team here and what we have reported is that antibodies only last about two to three months and they start to wane off. Now, don't quote me on that. I'm no fucking doctor. I don't know. Oh, shit. I don't know. Okay, we we I we have people call in and say that they've they've had COVID multiple multiple times. 
I don't fucking know. I, I don't know to believe them. They could be talking out of their ass. I don't know. So, back to football. I think Tony Pollard is the better football player between the two. But I think Chase Edmonds is the guy I'm going with, not only because you can draft him later um, as the RB55 off the board compared to Tony Pollard's 48, but I think Chase Edmonds actually has a, a better path to more consistent opportunity with a guy like Kenyon fucking Drake. And Kenyon Drake, in my opinion, is going way too early in drafts. I get the appeal of him. But I like Chase Edmonds as a guy that um, realistically has a good flex, has some flex appeal. So I like Chase Edmonds uh, between these two. I am with you on Mr. Edmonds. And my reasoning being that Arizona Cardinals up-tempo offense, number two in the NFL last year in pace pace of play, uh, how fast they call plays, how many plays they get in per game. Is Kenyon Drake going to be out there for every freaking snap for the Arizona Cardinals? No. And Chase Edmonds looked good in the limited opportunity that he had last year, and he's going to get some run. And I'm going to let somebody else draft Tony Pollard if they do, because really what they're basing it on was off of his pop-off game that he saw Mm -hmm. last year, um, 128 yards, 22 fantasy points, finished the week as the RB7. Who did they play? They played the Miami Dolphins. And I honestly think that is the the reason why people have seen Tony Pollard pop off. And I just said that, yes, Chase Edmonds was the one that flashed as well. But when you compare opportunity next year, you want the guy behind Zeke or do you want the guy behind Kenyon Drake in an offense that is number two in pace? Not to mention Zeke hardly misses games. Right. And I would consider Zeke even more of a bell bell cow than Kenyon Drake. Mm -hmm. So 100% agree. Chase Edmonds. Yeah, I'm in on Edmonds as well. Uh, The big game that he had last year, 27 carries, 126 yards, three touchdowns. That was the David Johnson starting. Oops, pulled the chair from underneath (laughs) this, and Matt Berry freaked out and had a fit on Twitter. So um, for that reason, I'm a a Chase Edmonds stand today. (laughs) Next, moving on, Joshua Kelly. That's a clean sweep for Chase Edmonds, by Mm -hmm. the way. We don't do that often on the show. Joshua Kelly or Alexander Madison? Huh? This one is actually really easy for me. Um, now, had Dalvin not reported and all that shit, then I think Alexander Madison would have been the smash pick here. But let's just take a step back for a second. Joshua Kelly is not going to be drafted in your leagues whatsoever, but I truly think that he is the number two in that backfield um, ahead of Justin Jackson behind Austin Eckler. I don't think Austin Eckler can handle all of the workload uh, as as this bell cow type of guy. I think Joshua Kelly is consistently going to get points every week. And I think that, you know, if you don't have to waste a draft pick uh, in your seasonal leagues on this type of player that has the clear backup role, well, I guess it's not clear, but what I feel like is a clear backup role um, that will return you consistent points every week I think it's Joshua Kelly. I really do. I like Alexander Madison. I think he's good. But if Dalvin's there, I mean, I guess you could you could weigh the injury history of Dalvin and 
the contract looming in the air. Um, so may I, I could see Alexander Madison pick. I could see that. But I'm going to go Joshua Kelly because I think they're actually going to have to use him this year. So it's Alexander Madison for me. Today, if I was in a draft and the two were on the board, I think it would be pretty easy. i take Alexander Madison. He's got the holdout upside with Dalvin. Like I said, today, if I was doing this draft, yeah. uh, I'm taking Madison. He actually got 7.7, almost eight carries per game last year. Minnesota's number four in the NFL last year in run plays per game. The Chargers were number 28, and I see those numbers staying pretty similar, especially with a rookie quarterback next year and the fact that they'll probably be trailing. And I don't think like, oh, there's a rookie quarterback here. We're just going to hand the ball off to Austin Eckler. It just doesn't really make sense to me. It's more of a game script thing. Um, in my opinion, if you got a rookie quarterback and your team strength, cut them loose. Let them fucking, let's see what Justin Herbert can do. So Alexander Madison right now today, I, I take him pr- yeah. pretty easily. Alexander Madison had 110 touches last year, which I, I found surprising. Like, I know Dalvin was out for the last little portion of the year, but like 462 yards, only one touchdown. Still saw like 12 targets. I like what I know Alexa- Alexander Madison is, and there's still three guys in L.A. that like Josh Kelly doesn't necessarily have even a backup role right now. So, um he could be number two on that list. He could be number three. We know Alexander Madison, uh, 22 years old, is number two. So I like Madison. Um, so I'm a chase here. But I, I could see the Josh Kelly side as well. It's pretty It's pretty close. I think I'm only leaning that way because I don't have to draft Joshua Kelly in order to add him to my roster. That's fair. You know, that that's and, and the fact that they're both backups, you know, that that's the risk I'm willing to take. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that's yeah a good like at ADP. Yeah, mm-hmm. you want to spend, in a sense, a potential overspend on Alexander Madison if Dalvin does come back, where you could be getting one one of these receivers in. I oh, mean, who's probably going around there? Like 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 Deontay Johnson or Christian Kirk or somebody kind of in that mm-hmm. in those same rounds. So yeah, I mean that's definitely a good side of it. Moving on, James White. He's a popular guy on this show today. Or Philip Lindsay. James White going as running back 34. Philip Lindsay going as running back 40. Wow. Yeah. Philip, no love for Philip Lindsay. I guess the I guess the Melvin Gordon news is still, yeah. you know, that's that does throw a wrinkle into things. He's not going to get the ball on the goal line as much as he was before. What the fuck, Royce Freeman? God, you do anything. RIP. You know, I think Philip Lindsay has the ability to pop off for bigger plays than James White does. I mean, James White didn't didn't have these massive plays uh, where he generated tons of yards. So I think the upside of Philip Lindsay and possible bigger weeks uh, is there. But I think James White, with Sony Michelle news and what that team is right now, has the consistency that I'm looking for, especially when their ADP is fairly close. So. We all know. I, I'm a Bronco fan. I love Philip Lindsay, but I have to go with James White in fantasy. Yeah, we've tooted his horn. Yeah. Kind of the last like 10 minutes or so. James White, I feel bad for Philip Lindsay. Undrafted, 
grinder. So Worked good. So hard. He's so good. He's really, really good. He honestly is really good they, at football. Yeah. And then they bring in Melvin Gordon. Yeah. Who's been one of the better running backs within yep. the last five mm-hmm. years. And so it's just like, and I just a shot, just a shot to old, the Tasmanian devil. And they're not going to, re- they're not going to re-sign him either. I, I don't see no. that happening. I, I'll say no. this. I'm going to say Philip Lindsay. And the oh. reason is he is the only undrafted running back in NFL history to go over a thousand yards in his first two seasons in the league. And I think he'll do it again. Oh, I think he will. I think Philip Lindsay will have over 1,000 yards this year. Are you? I am uh, writing this one down. I like (laughs) the tape. That is absurd, (laughs) Kevin. I said it, all right? I like the respect. I'm going to say this, too. I think Melvin Gordon will also have over 1,000 yards this year. I think you're going to have two running backs over 1,000 yards because Drew Locke sucks, and they're going to realize it pretty damn quick that they need to run the fuck out of the football i know they got weapons i know they added all these receivers and they got all these tight ends and all these guys that are great but phil Lindsay is still one of the better players on this roster and so is melvin gordon and i like i like phil Lindsay more than james white regardless of their situation so call me crazy oh, it's hot in this room my, my brain is melting a little bit but this podcast is made for bold takes and there's a hot one i like so it that might on. be if we no, know, no, 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 we're no, not no, moving no. on. You're not letting this slide. Are you kidding me? If we know anything, ah, if, if we know anything that's about the worst take I've ever heard in my life. If we know anything about Pat Shermer, we know he likes to run the football. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know about that one. <laughs> what'd, you, what'd you what'd you say? Rushing I, yards, scrimmage yards? I don't remember because my fucking brain shut off. <laughs> I okay. Now that you mentioned that. No, 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 no. <laughs> I think a thousand scrimmage yards, yards from scrimmage is very realistic for Philip Lindsay. Yeah. Rushing yards. That's, that's a lot. That's, that's a lot for scrimmage him. yards. I could see, I could, but I don't think, I don't think it's there. Yeah. Yeah, Drew Lock quarterback one. Jerry Judy's going for over a thousand yards. KJ Hamler's <laughs> going for two thousand. Colton Sutton, fifteen hundred. Noah Fant's gonna hit a thousand yards too. Broncos are gonna score fifty-five points a game. You gotta love yeah. what the offense, what they're doing with the offense, though. It, it it's fun. I'm excited because the, it feels different than most years that the that the Broncos have tried to you know structure their team. And finally, there's a little of excitement because we have all these weapons, and it's kind of cool. And I'm hoping it develops the way I want it to. <laughs> so, Kev, is Philip Lindsay on your team? He is. <laughs> <laughs> Coincidence? <laughs> I think uh, not. Okay, uh, that Next. was a little too much. I'm, I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> uh, you should probably take James White over Philip Lindsay. Okay, uh, Daryl Henderson or Matt Breida. Pat Brita. Ooh. Daryl Henderson. This one's a tough Ooh, one for me. This is really tough. I mean, we don't really know the situation in either backfield. Yeah. Brita making the move to Miami. And Daryl Henderson has got Cam Akers, who was really good with a bad line for a while at FSU. So I know that's like the, oh, he's going to be fine. He's not a bad line. It's okay. It's a different thing in the NFL. And that offensive line was, was bad last year. They're bad again. For me, I'll go first really quickly. I'm going to – I know Jordan Howard's there, but I think I go 
I think I go Matt Breida here. Um, I, I don't have any facts or stats. I didn't do any research before this on either one of these guys. I know Breida's not going to see many opportunities to score touchdowns this year because of Jordan Howard in the red zone and on the goal line, but I'm still going Breida. Yeah, I agree. I'm going Breda too. I'm worried about that offensive line in L.A., and I'm worried about Cam Akers a little bit. Um, they did say they wanted to do an RBBC, so that uh, actually helps Daryl Henderson out because I think, obviously, if they were just going to focus on Cam Akers, Henderson's not seeing the ball a lot. But uh, they're going to go with the hot hand. So I think Breda doesn't really it doesn't really matter in Miami – uh, who has the hot hand? I think that Jordan Howard and Matt Breda are clearly the two guys that are going to run. Uh, maybe Patrick Laird sprinkled in there every once in a while, but I've touted Matt Breda as a steal late in drafts, and I think that as long as he stays healthy on the field, he's could, he could be a, a good flex play in fantasy. So without a lot of incredible reasons, I wrote down Daryl Henderson's name. Mm. And... Here's why I worry a little bit about rookies coming into new teams with COVID going on right now. And we saw how much Daryl Henderson struggled last year learning the Rams zone run scheme. And although Cam Akers might be better at Daryl Henderson running that zone run scheme, I do think it's a complicated thing. And I worry that Cam Akers might struggle a little bit, especially as a rookie behind that offensive line, and that we could see a little more Daryl Henderson in 2020 than we think we will. Mm. And he was explosive at Memphis, albeit playing in that conference, but it's like nine yards a carry. He's explosive. He's bursty. I thought they should have used him last year which is a little bit concerning going forward, knowing that really if a rookie running back doesn't produce in their first season, that percentage-wise going forward, the the probability that they actually do something is super low. Uh, but I feel like he has a year under his belt in that system. And like I said, I think we get a little more Daryl Henderson run in 2020 than a lot of people think that we will. Uh, last one. We're going to go Kareem Hunt or Marlon Mack. Kareem, running back 28. Marlon, running back 36. Boy, the the Jonathan Taylor year one hype is It's hot. real. Yeah. It's real. I mean, and, oh, man, this is really hard, I think. With how Kareem finished last year, with how solid Marlon Mack has been, and then... Chase, you've talked about it a lot on the show. No training camp, no opportunity for a rookie to show what he can do in preseason games. There's none of that, which leans advantage Marlon Mack. And kind of similar story for Kareem Hunt. I know what he did at the end of last year, like I said, and, and where he left off, really commanding a lot more of that backfield than a lot of Chubb fans would like to see, and maybe a lot of Browns fans would like to see. But he was just flat out good. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe training camp and preseason games would benefit him as well. So for that reason, I'm going to take Marlon Mack here um, in year one. As big of a Jonathan Taylor fan as I am, as as good as I think he is, 
I think that they're going to lean on Marlon Mack more in the first half or first three quarters of this season before he breaks his wrist or something stupid happens. Like it's kind of happened uh, the bulk of his career to start out here before they turn the keys over to Jonathan Taylor, where as if we had a full preseason, if we had training camp, I'd be smashing Kareem Hunt because I think he'll be good as well. But I think preseason and, and training camp and things like that benefit a guy like Kareem Hunt more who's who's truly in a competition uh, to get on the field more than Nick Chubb uh, with what he did at the end of last season. So I think that between these two players, I'm thinking about which player is more likely to be phased out of the offense, depending on game scripts. Um, And I think Kareem Hunt's going to be consistently a part of most plays for the Browns. And he missed 10 games last year, 10 games. We get to see a full season of Kareem Hunt in this offense, catching tons of passes, which is what everyone's expecting. If Jarvis Landry doesn't play in the first couple weeks, tack on more. Um, And the moment Jonathan Taylor has a big game is the moment that they start phasing out Marlon Mack. So for a full season, I would rather have a guy that's going to be a part of an offense without having to worry about him being phased out, even though he's not the number one back. Marlon Mack, I mean, if JT goes ham the moment he gets the opportunity, he will not, Marlon Mack will not most likely be um, as significant in the offense towards the latter end of the year. And that's where it matters the most in fantasy is the last four or five weeks, uh, whether it's getting more W's, um, making in the playoffs, getting playoff wins. I think Kareem Hunt has more longevity than Marlon Mack does for the 2020 season. So I'm going Kareem. I am with Kareem Hunt as well. I've mentioned so many times I think about why I'm not drafting Nick Chubb, and it's because of Kareem Hunt. And he tra- he carries that trade upside as well. I've mentioned that too, where halfway through the season, he could have his own backfield somewhere. And I think now actually that's that's super interesting too with Marlon Mack and, and Jonathan Taylor is that Marlon Mack actually kind of carries a little bit of that trade upside as well. He's 24, almost 25 years old. What if he went to Kansas City? Indianapolis said, yeah, we'll you know, mm-hmm. see a Marlon Mack. Clyde Edwards-Alaire maybe isn't getting it done as a rookie. They want another body there. Marlon Mack shredded them last year. That was the game that exposed Kansas City. I remember at one point Kansas City was like six and four, and the Colts had the blueprint, mm-hmm. and it was to pound it with Marlon Mack and that offensive line. So and there's a little uh, relationship there between Marlon Mack and the Kansas City Chiefs. You heard it here first, but dude, I really like that. That honestly, yeah, yeah it makes sense. I, and and not just Marlon Mack. I like any running back going to Kansas City now. That. Mm-hmm. They were trying to acquire running backs. They drafted one. Now they lose their starter. Uh, that's a really good point, Chase. Like Marlon Mack may be at the top of the list, but I'm not going to be surprised when here in a couple weeks during camp, a trade goes through and it's a prominent running back on yeah. the move somewhere with one I'm year not... left or two years left on their deal. And we thought Mostert was going to be that guy. And now he's getting restructured yeah. in San Francisco. So it just, yep. there's even less. Uh, opportunity to grab a guy right now so it's interesting i'm not 
I'm not convinced 5'7", 207, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Darwin Thompson, and DeAndre Washington. I think no. Daryl Williams is still there, too. That yeah, he is. Super Bowl winning Chiefs. Their window, their... yeah, the window is right now. They're going to trade for a running back. That They have to. Have to. Going to be pretty wild. Love that take, Chase. Okay, that's it. The show sheet, I'm scrolling. There's nothing left. It is 756 degrees in my room. It's got to be double that upstairs at Chase's. Bryce, it's like 69 degrees in the studio there. It's it's perfect. Yeah. I. We have to call it. This, that's it. <laughs> it's the end of the show. I'm done. Um, Chase is done. I have sweat dripping down my side. Yeah, it's, it's too much. Gross. So... I don't know. It's it's exciting because we got football coming back. I, I hate to see these guys sitting out, but like I said, we understand the reasons why. There will be more. They got yeah. four more days of this, unfortunately, or five more days that it, guys are going to be, you know, calling it off. And uh, fingers crossed that we don't lose any more big fantasy names uh, to sitting out this 2020 season. But it's getting closer. You can almost taste it. So that's it. That's the show. Uh, we'll talk to you guys in two weeks unless some crazy shit happens over the week and we feel like we need to do another show, but we kind of like this two-week thing while we're here in the summer and just really isn't a whole lot to talk about. But good luck in those drafts. We know they're coming up. Uh, we've got some drafts coming up with Truth Serum and uh, a league that we joined, and seasonal leagues are right around the corner. So uh, if you're starting to bulk up on your fantasy stuff, we're going to start cranking out some more content for you as well. That's it. That's the show. Episode 21 in the books. We'll talk tutties with you next week or in two weeks. See ya.